Hey, welcome back to Bald Movies. We've been uh, burning up the Bald Movie feed lately. Uh, we got kind of a surprise holiday present mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, Bald Move family. Something that, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of downtime and we decided what uh, what we really wanted to do. You had an idea that it's the... Shit. The 40th anniversary. Is it the, the 40th of anniversary? The, of The Godfather 2 is coming up on December 20th. Yep, which is a Saturday, so God years. damn it. Uh, and we got excited about, hey, maybe we should do something for The Godfather. And like, well, maybe we should yeah. do the whole trilogy. And then it's like, <laughs> and then oh, we said, we well, third, the third one is probably a stinker. And we don't have uh, very much experience on that. We're we're completely yeah. unqualified to talk about it. And then I found out that it's actually like the 30th anniversary of The Godfather 3 next December. Oh, perfect. So we're like, punt. Yes. Uh-huh. 2015. Godfather <laughs> a, 3. A, a rational reason not to do it. <laughs> Perfect, uh, I love that. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the God... But then we're like, well, maybe we just do Godfather 2. And then we had this big debate about, can you just do Godfather 2 without doing Godfather 1? And Yeah, yeah. It's compromise. We, we've we done it. We've, so you get the Godfather 1 this week. And which, then next week, um, close to the 20th, I think Friday is when we're going to release... On the 19th, we're going to release the Godfather 2 episode. Sure. So we're trying to squeeze both of those in here this week. Uh, Godfather is probably... No, it's my favorite movie. Yeah, if I, if like I, I it, so favorite or is it like the best movie? Because like I, that's a debate I'm having with myself as well. Well, so I've watched it a lot just by happenstance yeah. in the months leading up to it because it's been on heavy rotation. Uh, you know, there was a you know the Mobster Week on AMC, and then it's actually <laughs> right. been on heavy rotation on HBO. It's actually it's a free. All the Godfathers are free on HBO Go right now. Yep, uh, and I. I, there's a part of me, the little boy part of me, that wants to put up a fight for like Empire Strikes Back or yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. Indiana Joneses, but I think that it's on an enjoyment and on just a clear best, most awesome thing. The Godfather's number one, and mm-hmm. most serious critics either put it number one or number two. Sometimes depending Citizen, on how much they like Citizen Kane, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because I definitely see why people love Citizen Kane and why it was so revolutionary. Yeah, but. I'm brow- I'm I'm browsing late night ca- night night cable and I stumble across the middle of Citizen Kane. <laughs> I'm cruising on a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I come in on the uh, you know Slotso uh, uh, Michael meeting in the diner, oh, and yeah, I will yeah, watch yeah. the rest of the goddamn movie, no questions asked. Yep. Um, it's there. There's just it's one of those things where it's like I, it's like a, a black hole. I can't escape it. So yeah, that's I, it's. I think it's 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 got the pole position spot for me. This is not maybe not my favorite movie. Um, there are definitely movies that I would watch probably instead of this, but I think this might be the most impressive movie to me. Um, like it's it's really well made. The acting is just top to bottom perfect. Uh, I, I can't think of a single thing I would change about this movie, uh, but it is three hours long. But so yet it feels, takes up a good chunk of time. It feels effortless to watch. It's a surprisingly short three hours. Yes, like there's <laughs> you. You watch The Hobbit and you're mm. you're checking your clock. Oh yeah, yeah. And you watch The Godfather and it's like you blink and it's over. Yeah, like I could not believe how fast it went by when we were watching it this week. Sure, I mean I just came come off watching Anne of Green Gables. There's another three hour movie that felt like three hours. No, it feels like three hours. Sure, sure, uh, sure. And it doesn't. 
And that's the thing. Like, it's such an old-fashionedly shot. Like, the yeah. opening of the film is essentially a five-minute pull-in, or no, pull-out yeah. pull out shot of this guy's face in a dark office yep. giving a monologue. And, and he's some, like, I don't think he's a big actor. I think he's just some dude, yeah. right? Like, probably has had a couple acting gigs. I don't know. And you don't, and that's the thing, like, I watched, I was there for your first time watching this movie. Of to- yes, of, of, Godfather. of of a full watch. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I watched you watch it, and it's so interesting because you're throwing it. What other movie throws you into that situation? There's a nobody. You don't know who he is. You don't know what role he is, and but you just sit there and silently absorbing it. And all he's doing is monologuing at the camera. And at no point, at any part in the movie, do you like what the hell? Why the hell? You know. <laughs> How long is this? It just... I, I gotta say, I was confused about the plot. Sure. Even going into this viewing, I didn't have all the details. You'll get that. Yeah, because there's stuff that they kind of leave out. There's stuff that um, is hinted at, but never, uh-huh. like, just straight up said or uh-huh. explained, uh-huh. which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, there's stuff, like, that is in the books that kind of makes some connections that they don't even touch on here. Sure. Um, or they, or, seem or like they have, non, like, a line. They're non-sequiturs if you haven't read the book. Yeah. Which we'll, yeah. we'll talk about in a bit. Because my experience, like, I I watched The Godfather. But when, they're so unimportant to the plot, sure. right? To the main thrust of the movie. That when you get down in the movie, it's not like you're like, man, I really missed out. Or, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know what yeah. the hell is going on. Or it's not like a Christopher Nolan movie where you feel like you definitely want to watch it yeah. again. But you don't feel like you need to to get... I don't know. Maybe that's not true. The timeline's a little fuzzy. I've seen this movie but... so many times at this point. More than I've seen it more than twenty, but less than fifty, somewhere in that range. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm talking like full slash partial watches. Mm-hmm. I've listened to the commentary uh, commentary tracks. Uh, I've read a bunch of history on it. Uh, I've read the book, and mm-hmm. what I what I thought was interesting when I read the book was that. My knee-jerk reaction was, well, of course this movie was fucking good. This book is goddamn brilliant. Huh. Like, all all Coppola had to do was cast this and shoot this, and it's gold. Now, that's stupid. Uh, Roger Ebert doesn't seem to agree with that. He thinks well, the book is less than brilliant. You know, and I don't know if I'd... Have, if, well, specifically Mario Puzo's writing style is less than brilliant. Yeah, like I said, I've backed way off of that, but that was my initial reaction okay. to yeah, reading yeah. the book is that um you know, everything good in the book made it on screen. And that yeah. you know, and that's not a trivial thing to cast and sure. to shoot and to adapt this dialogue, but I think Coppola had a lot of things going for him. Number one, he's just a really talented filmmaker. Yeah. Number two, he had Mario Puzo on his side consulting on the screenplay yeah uh, they kind of agreed like you know two italian boys that this is what this is story you want to take i mean it feels if you read these histories they just hit it off like peas in a pod okay cool and you know one thing i got is like this was supposed to be a 120 page script okay <laughs> okay uh, that's roughly a 2 hour movie mario went through and his first draft was 150 pages before he sat down with coppola Mm-hmm. Him and Coppola got together, and instead of Coppola being like, you know, what the fuck we're going to do, we got to cut this thing back. Their second draft, they collaborated on is 173 pages, okay. 163 of which got shot. Yeah, yeah. So that you, how did this turn into a three-hour movie? Uh, you know, when the studio said, we don't want a three-hour movie, we absolutely can't have Brando in this film. 
I do. We do not want this old timey Italian orchestra shit music, uh, dude. They were gonna do. We it. want it a contemporary. We yes. want this set in the seventies because we don't want to. We don't want to spend a bunch of money on That's making this insane. a period piece. How bad would this movie be set in the seventies? It's um, it wouldn't make sense. It's amazing that you got this movie with those clear objectives uh-huh. that everyone signed on to and agreed to at the beginning. And it, it's kind of a miraculous little production because you had a few guys at the studio that were willing to get fired and mm-hmm. go to the mattress for this stuff. You had Coppola, who is willing to like butt heads with his editor and get that guy fired at a late hour. And, you know, <laughs> you had a, a – it's just – again, it seems like it's a miracle that this movie is as good as it is for yeah, as it's long a, It's a force a of piece. will, right? Yeah. It's just like Coppola and Puzo – pushing for this movie to be great and again the studio guys too you got to give it credit okay. now that's yeah, funny sure. because there's there uh for one of the guys i can't remember his name um there's like the executive producer his name was like ruddy uh who's one guy but there's another guy that was actually just head of the studio mm-hmm. and coppola says he's the guy that's like you need to cut this out you need to make this shorter he, I, he fought him tooth i and think nail. his name was Lipschitz, right <laughs> No, no, not no. His shit. name wasn't Waltz, uh, <laughs> and then there was, and but if you talk to the executive, he's like, "Oh no, I made him put thirty hours or thirty minutes of the ah. movie back that that uh, he won the cut." And Coppola's like, "Well, no, those thirty minutes are he told me to cut six months before, and then, I just never did." <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's a he said she said, mm-hmm. but it does seem kind of miraculous that this movie ended up getting made. You know, Brando's at this point in his career was like box office poison mm-hmm. he was fat he was out of shape <laughs> he, he had been in bomb after bomb mm-hmm. but he put this and put him right himself right back on the map and i got some stories yeah. about that the majority of my sources for the stuff if you want to dig deeper uh first of all get the blu-ray version of the coppola restoration versions of the blu-rays i've got all of those at home it's a gorgeous picture we I forgot to bring my Blu-ray copy of The Godfather, and we ended up watching it on HBO Go. Yeah, which is great. But I noticed some scenes, like the for transfer example, is not phenomenal. It's 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 not the rest- restored version. Number one and number two, the uh, what do you call that? It's it's the the codec, whatever the compression algorithm just cannot fucking handle. Yeah, like the grass from the scene. Oh where, God, yeah. You know, uh, Polly gets murdered. Uh-huh. That's just a fucking mess of artifacts and stuff. <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of you can see artifacting in a very dark. Um, you know, where there's there, if you look at the Blu-ray, there's a lot of gradation of of grays and shadows and things like that and skin texture. That stuff oh, yeah. gets lost in the codec. But it's yeah, still a, a great of, version. A lot of noise in the film, like film grain noise. Um, coming through in this version i don't i don't know if that's restored in the criterion but yeah it it looks amazing um okay. and we will for godfather 2 be watching that version and then cool. uh, uh so the, the director's commentary by coppola uh this specifically the coppola restoration which you can get the whole set for like 25 bucks on ebay or nice. not ebay on amazon all three of them uh and you can get the individual movies for like 13 bucks hmm. they're cr- crazy cheap uh the other um source that I had never read before was a 2009, a March 2009 article in Vanity Fair called The Godfather Wars. Okay. It's an it's a extended magazine piece talking about how this movie got made, the mob's involvement with the, with the movie. <laughs> that sounded interesting. How yeah. this thing got cast, a back and forth and war that Coppola fought for casting all these people, Marlon Brando's screen test that wasn't a screen test. 
<laughs> I don't know how much of this stuff I want to be able to bring to the podcast, but it's fascinating. I'll link that into the uh, show notes. Yep, and that's what they're there for. Um, I'm going to read a quote that I got in, in researching. It's, uh, it says, I was so pulverized by this story and the effect the film had on me, I felt that I should quit, that there was no reason I should continue directing because I would never achieve that level of confidence or the ability to tell a story as well as Coppola did in The Godfather. In a way, it completely shattered my confidence. Who is saying this? Who do you think said this? George Lucas. Steven fucking Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Wow. When he first saw it, he's like, I want to quit directing because I will never make anything that good. You know, I don't think he has. <laughs> I don't I don't think he has. I, I, I wonder what he would say. I don't think he, he would, would say that he would he probably. Had. I feel like, yeah, he's like. That's not, not taking anything away from Schindler's List. No, he's made a bunch or even of amazing Munich movies. Or, you know, Indiana Jones. Shit, even or... E.T. Like, all that stuff. I mean, those are great, great films. They're right. just not Close the Encounters. Yeah, they're these wonderful, wonderful films, Jaws. But they're not The Godfather. Yeah. They're not number one or number two on everybody's film list. Exactly. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting as as how he is kind of seen by, you know, his peers. Mm-hmm. Um. You've not read the book, right? Uh, I have not read the book, no. I think everything that's brilliant in the film is also in the book. But the that's book they say. has a lot of interesting detours. Like Sonny's – there's this extended the, – the Sonny's mistress. There's this extended sequence of you know why she's his mistress. And she's got this medical condition that gives her a very large vagina and – and Sonny's got a very large penis, and <laughs> he's the only one that's able to medically satisfy. And then she moves out to Vegas to spy. To medically to... satisfy him. It's very, like, clinical. Sure, sure. No, it gets better. <laughs> uh, she goes out to Vegas uh, to be a spy for the um, Corleone family. Okay. They kind of set up the Mo Green stuff. Uh-huh. And she meets a gynecologist out there who fixes her vagina, and they get married, and they... Fixes it? Yeah, he, she, he tightens it up so she can enjoy normal men. But I, I thought the... Sonny was especially well in that. Oh, this is after she's left yeah, Sonny? Yeah, after Sonny gets killed. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't know if she, like, left him or... No, no, no. She's, she was killed. heartbroken because she never ah. felt like she'd find a man that's satisfied. Just really weird... <laughs> Crazy sex stuff. <laughs> that's fucked up. I'm so glad that's not in the movie. There's a lot of stuff about Waltz being like a child molester. Like, you know, he's, he's like, you know, kind of like Roman Plansky. He had this arrangement the, with a girl's mother that was you 13 know, years old. That's and, in there. That's yeah. in there a little bit. Um, like, all of these things they hint at, but they yeah. just don't go into detail. And I'm glad. There's this like, whole, the sunny stuff at the wedding. Yeah. Like, where they're, they're where showing, his like, wife is. Oh, it's like this. No, no. It's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. and like this. And, yeah. That's very funny. Uh, the the stuff with Waltz, he's he says like I I brought her up. She was the finest piece of ass I'd ever had. That kind of shit. So it's hinted at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael's. You said there's something with there's plastic a whole surgery plot about Michael? McCluskey shattered his face and like broke his Definitely. nose in such a way that he had a persistent nasal drip and like this permanent black eye uh-huh. and the same gynecologist hooked him up with like a facial plastic reconstruction. And they even make a mention of that, like when they do. Fredo does when he yeah. comes out to L- or to Vegas. He's like, "Oh, your face looks great. The doctor did a great job." Uh huh. And and he has the persistent nasal drip and the black eye all yeah. throughout. Which fucked you because you're like, I'm like, what is the timeline on this? Because his eyes still fall in love with Apollonia, get married in like three weeks, and yeah, that takes place over years. But you don't know because you you think, yes. oh, well, he's got this. So they had all these details from the book that never went anywhere. Yeah, I'm. I am glad they hint at him, though. 
Like, just, are you? Because I think, I think so. That's one one. That's and it's not a complaint because. Okay, why do you like, think it's good? Okay, you got to do the Fredo thing, right? Like, if you want that timeline to make any sense, you got to have Fredo saying the doctor did a great job on your eye. Why? Because I think you would you would understand because the passage of time if Michael just went over there and healed naturally, and you had the massacre montage. Here's the and... thing, though. So his eye doesn't heal the entire time he's in Sicily. Sure. Uh, he's still got this big shiner-looking thing. Yeah. He marries Apollonia. Mm-hmm. He comes back to the states, and he says he tells Kate he's been there a year before he goes to meet her, and he looks fine, right? Like, yeah. Like I. No, he still looked kind of fucked up. I thought it was the the time where he looks better is when he goes out to L.A. or Vegas. I'm almost certain he looks just like he did before in like the, in that moment when he's talking to Kate and he surprises her. But what if, I'm saying, what if Michael had a little bit of a black eye when he meets Apollonia, when they get married, he That's has what no I'm black saying. eye. As, as filmed, like, uh-huh. like assuming they filmed this chronologically, which is probably not true, uh-huh. uh, if if you took those scenes and then you didn't ever mention like his eye heels, I would have thought it took him two weeks to get married in Sicily, and then he came back healed up fully over the course of a year and then talked to Kate. Huh. Interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but one thing I am thinking because th- there's a lot of times where I've, I've had I thought I've had this movie figured out. Mm-hmm. And like you know, when I first read the books, I'm like, well, you know, this is much less of an impressive accomplishment. Than I was imagining. It was yeah, kind yeah. of like, you know, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, of course, if you actually give a shit about it and film it pretty much as it's depicted, you're going to have something epic. Um, sure. But then I go back and, and rewatch it, and I'm like, oh no, because he really tightened things up here, leaving some of those hooks into the book, uh-huh. make it seem like a larger world. It doesn't detract from it. It's just like things are happening that you're not aware of, and it increases the passage of time and makes it more rich and detailed and textured without mm-hmm. having to explain all that stuff. Like there is a large world that's happening that you're not a part of. You're just seeing yeah, yeah. little vignettes here and there. So I think you can sure. almost make an artistic choice for leaving that stuff in there. Yeah, no, I, I'm okay with it. I think the stuff, you know, with Sonny having a big dick is comes across more of a joke. And I don't know, like this, than like a big thread that was going on. These ten pages that got cut out could very well be the big vagina yeah. facial reconstruction yeah. stuff that they meant to shoot and they didn't have because of budget and time overruns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then so they've got you have to leave the bare minimum in there to make the rest of the scenes make sense. Sure, because else, like you know, if they don't explain about the doctor fixing his face, but I don't know that you would even have picked that up if I hadn't hipped you to it. Uh no, but I like that's part of why this timeline always felt so fuzzy to me ah. is because I was like he has not healed in the time it took him to get married, so that must be an exceptionally short amount of time. The other thing about the Godfather book is that it's got a surprising amount from the Godfather two in it, like to huh. the point that uh, there was this one review. It might have been Ebert where he said the Godfather the novel is about the rise and fall of Don Corleone. Yeah. The Godfather in a movie is about the rise of Michael. Sure, yeah. And the book is set up where, you know, all those stuff that you see De Niro doing in Godfather 2, that stuff's all in the book. Really? And uh, even huh. from the time the Godfather's a little boy and he came across the ocean and he's mm-hmm. quarantined in Staten, all that stuff is in that book as one unit. Wow. And Coppola busted that out and told a parallel story of the rise of the dawn and kind of the rise of Michael and then contrasted, you know, mm-hmm. I guess Michael's great feeling is he never had that deep-rooted feeling of family. 
that the that the Don did, hmm. and that was kind of his okay. ultimate downfall. But as a guy who has not seen all of the Godfather three, where that kind of all comes to a head, I I, I don't know that that was always yeah, a yeah. takeaway to me that his weakness was, you know, the Don would never ever uh, murder Fredo. Sure, he would never murder no. his own brother. Absolutely not. He would sacrifice anything to keep his family together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that Michael did after the Don after uh, you know Vito died. Uh, made it impossible for him to live up to that part of his father's legacy. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that ties into when, when Marlon Brando and the Godfather's about to die, um, he knows it's coming up. He can feel himself going. Sure. He said, it just wasn't enough time. You know, I never wanted this for you. And that like, that to me is the perfect ending to this story. I don't know how the book goes. Um, but sure. in the story that Coppola is telling of Michael, uh, that's absolutely perfect because you, you, the ending of this movie is the best ending to a movie I've ever seen. Uh, when when Michael lies to Kate, mm-hmm. and then the guys come into that room and they kiss his hand, sure, just like they were kissing the hand of Vito yeah. at the beginning of this fucking movie, everything Vito wanted for Michael is gone. Yeah. Michael is Vito at that point. Yeah. And it's like, the transformation is so natural. And so obvious, and yet that's exactly what he was trying to avoid the whole time. And now Michael's the it's, one that doesn't have enough crushing. time. You know, it's, your your five year plan to move the the yeah. the, the family legitimate. And can you can you bring something legitimate and wholesome out of something that is illegitimate and unholy? Yeah. And with those so much are, pressure pushing it in that direction, th- those those are the questions. Can you can can you you separate that the good? It's it's really fascinating. Yeah, I so I'm going to ask you a question about the end. I guess we're just going to talk about the end here. <laughs> sure, uh, why not? There, there's no real structure to this. Um, in the end, when Kate lies, or sorry, Michael lies to Kate. Uh-huh. Do you think she believes him? Yes. Why do you think she believes him? Because everything about her body language is she's just relieved and happy and ready to and and wanting to believe Michael. Yeah. And then you can see it in her face, Diane Keaton. I never, I, she's, I mean, she's one of the weakest players in this this film, which is, you know, kind of crazy. It's like right. it's like talking about, <laughs> uh, you know, Charles Barkley being one of the weakest members of the 1984 Dream Team. Like, okay, I guess he's not as good as Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. And, he's still a badass. And, yeah. it, but, so, but. But she did a really good job of, as you said, when she sees Clemenza kissing the hand and Al Neary shutting the door, that look of, oh, shit, on her face. That's why I don't think she does She wanted to believe. She believed him until she saw that out of the side of her eye. Yeah, that was her. Or it's potentially she doesn't see that and the audience is meant to see that. Yeah. And know that, obviously, that's a lie. I mean, we knew that already, but. Yeah. But just to really strike home that point that Michael is Vito here. Yeah. Um, and that that nothing he does from this point on is going to be uh, the Michael that Vito wanted. Well, I mean, she wanted to believe in the dream of Michael, that this is my family, Kate, it's not me. Yes. That scene at the, at the end it was the, comes crashing the first down. time she starts to doubt. Yeah. No, you. I mean, I heard this story about Bratzi and your father, and and how he treated the band. You leader. told me this story. Yes, you're the one who, at the yes. beginning of this movie, 
told me what a shit your father is. Yes. Now you are your father. What kind of shit are you? Yeah. Um, one thing that's interesting about this film, and the one reason I think it feels natural for it to come out in it came out in December, and it feels it kind of feels like a Christmas movie, <laughs> is because after the wedding and you get into Christmas season, there's like the the, the Christmas songs are playing and everybody's buying presents. Godfather uh-huh. feels, and I traditionally watch it um, for the last ten years because of. Uh, the way the the first professional career I had, um, all of our clientele shut down between Christmas and New Year's, so my consulting company huh. did too. And I'm like, that's a hell of a tradition. I'm going to start doing that's that. awesome. Yeah. So every job I've had since then, I've always taken a week off between Christmas and New Year's. And one of the things I like to do is watch The Godfather. Hmm. Um, even before I started really celebrating Christmas, it just feels like a Christmas movie, and it feels like it yeah. fits that kind of dark wintry time. <laughs> um, so I'm glad we're doing it in December. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a Christmas movie in my mind. Uh it's but it's an any time of the year movie. I I guess there's some Christmas stuff, but it happens over such sure. a long period of time that uh, to have a Christmas scene doesn't really make it a Christmas movie in my opinion. It also feels like perversely not even like perversely. it has a baptism scene is it a a Christian movie? It's like... a family movie if you want to get technical about it. <laughs> it is a family movie, yeah. And I think that's what you know, one of the things I read in interviews is like people time and time again, they asked Brando, they asked Pacino, they asked, um, shits, the guy that plays my, uh, James Caan. Um, you know, why do you think this was a success? They asked Coppola. Um, this was expected to be, no one asked Robert Duvall. No, no. Uh, (laughs) maybe a critical, a critical darling, but it was always supposed to be kind of like a, you know, no one expected it to be a blockbuster, and they say it's because it's a good story about a family that's exceptionally well told, and it does. It, it is. is it is. It's well all about. Told. It's. It's all the crime stuff is is secondary to the family drama, and the disappointment of sons right. and fathers. You're and right. All that stuff. Absolutely. Um. Let's see what else. Did, uh, I've got so much I want to talk about, and we kind of <laughs> jumped around. So let's talk about the opening of the film. Okay. It's it's the the Don's daughter Connie's wedding day. I think it's a brilliant way to begin the film. What do you think? Uh, why do you, and and if you do agree, why do you think it is brilliant? Well, I mean, I I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> uh and I don't know that because of that, I don't know if I'm prepared to say that it's brilliant. Um I do think it does a hell of a job setting up the Godfather as a character because of the respect that everyone is showing him, um, the respect that he commands on this day. Uh, I, so I think in that way, it is a, a great way to set up that character. And, you know, we're always preaching... Why do, you, why do you think it's brilliant? So we always preach on Bald Move, you know, show, don't tell. Several scenes are te- are showing you what the Godfather means to his community, what the responsibilities of the Godfather how dangerous a man the Godfather is, how generous a man the Godfather is, how yeah. much he cares about his family. Yeah. There's one line of expository dialogue, which is um, Tom Hagen, played by Robert Duvall, making a, a one line about, I'm too busy because, you know, a, a man, a Sicilian man can't deny a request on mm-hmm. his daughter's wedding day. Yeah. We get that like 15 minutes into the movie, why we've, we've already seen that stuff. So if you're really exceptionally slow, this is fully explaining what's going on here and what parts of Sicilian tradition. But I think that the the wedding is so entertaining in and of itself. You got the Godfather's 
uh, wife getting called up there, you and got the crazy and old crazy old guy with the dentures slop falling out of his mouth and doing some Randy stuff. That's stuff you see at everybody's family get-togethers and Absolutely. weddings, and it's uh-huh. really accessible. It's bright. Um, it's cheerful, and it shows you the the closeness and the setting in the family as well, like the larger right. family, right? Like like you see the microcosm in his office of right. family and the importance of that, but you also see it in the wedding. Um, can we talk about Marlon Brando? Because I'm not a huge Brando fan. I haven't. I mean, I've seen Streetcar Named Desire. I've seen okay. Superman. I've seen. <laughs> I've seen his <laughs> finest work. Yeah, I, I, I've seen. Uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Okay. And I actually saw the, the Island of Dr. Moreau and Superman before I saw Godfather or Streetcar. And I never really got like why he was such a badass because he just seems yeah. like such a bloated shell of himself in those movies. Oh, sure. And even in The Godfather, he's in decline. But mm. Jesus, the man is brilliant. Yeah, his performance in this is incredible. I mean, it's it's one of the top performances I've ever seen. I want to read a passage out of this uh, Vanity Fair article. Um, uh, it's uh, it, it was subtitled because it's, it's you know like a ma- magazine piece or several subtitles. This one is called "Anyone But Brando." So Brando at forty seven is perceived as box office poison. His recent pictures have been flops. He was overweight, depressed, and notorious for causing overruns and making outrageous demands. Will not finance Brando in title role to suit the New York cable to filmmakers. Do not respond. Period. Case closed. Period. <laughs> but Coppola fought hard for him, and finally the executives agreed to consider Brando on three conditions. He would have to work for no money up front, put up a bond for any overruns caused by him, and most shocking of all, submit to a screen test. Mm-hmm. Wisely, Coppola didn't call it that when he contacted Brando, saying that he just wanted to shoot a little footage. He arrived at the actor's home one morning with some props and a camera. Brando emerged from his bedroom in a kimono with his long blonde hair and a ponytail. As Coppola, oh, heard this story, as yeah. Coppola watched the camera lens, Brando began a startling transformation, which he had worked out earlier in front of a mirror. In Coppola's words, you see him roll his hair into a bun and blacken it with shoe polish. Taking all the time about what he's doing, you see him rolling up Kleenex and stuffing it in his mouth. He decided the Godfather had been shot in the throat at one time, so he starts to speak funny. Then he takes a jacket and he rolls back the collar the way these mafia guys do. It's the face of a bulldog, mean-looking but warm underneath. And this scene... Uh, he, uh, Coppola took it to the studio head and he rolled it for him. And the first few seconds he saw Brando's face appear and he's like, no, 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 we are not. And like within five seconds, (laughs) he shut up. And by the end, he's like, damn it. You're right. We have to have this guy in a movie. Yeah. How does a guy, a fat dude and a Japanese silk kimono and a long blonde (laughs) ponytail do something like that? Uh, he is, he's just a great actor. I mean that's that's what great actors do, right? They put themselves in the role. Did you think why did he become stop becoming a great actor? Did he just get bored with challenge? Like he could only decide to care at a at a something he really believed about and was was challenged on. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. You look at stuff like Apocalypse Now, and he definitely has other. I mean, oh, plenty yeah. of roles which he's seen fantastic that seen in. that seen that too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like I won't. Say, that was after this, right? That was way after this. Well, yeah, not way after. No, not way after. after. I think it was after this. Um, but I mean, he's definitely had other great roles. So yeah, it's like Cops now is seventy nine. Godfather came okay. out in seventy three. I think maybe seventy two. Yeah, seventy two. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, 
Sure, actors get bored. I I don't know enough about his career to really speculate on it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, you know, he does Apocalypse Now, and then Superman comes along, and he's like, "Well, this isn't a serious role. Mm-hmm. I'm playing some alien. Right? What the fuck? I'm not going to bring my all to this. Right? He's not going to stuff cotton in his mouth and put shoe polish in his hair for that role. <laughs> I think Brando is fine as Superman. Actually, is he's as... fine, but he's not remarkable like sure. he is in these other roles. You know. Um, but it's so just... I, I don't know if he got bored or if he didn't have a challenge or what, but I mean, he's got, he's got great roles. I give him some slack. Like one of my favorite moments in the film is when we go out to Waltz and you got that whole scene and he wakes up with a horse head in his bed and he's screaming and it dissolves to the Godfather kind of looking off in the middle distance. And he kind of goes like, raises his eyebrows and kind of shrugs. I mean, that's a lot in the editing, but that's, yeah, yeah. that's such, that's such a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love it. Uh, what do you think about Al Pacino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I Let's talk up, about Al Pacino. I grew up Al Pacino being in the full, you know... hoo Right. That Al Pacino. <laughs> uh-huh. And that is Al Pacino now. That is... Al Pacino has become a character of himself. Why did he start doing that? Is another? Is it? Is this Have another you seen, Brando? Like, Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico and stuff like that. I haven't seen Serpico. Okay. I haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, he like I've he... basically seen all of his Godfather shit mm-hmm. and then all the post hoorah, scent of a woman. Okay, Mad Jesus. Dog and Glory. Kind yeah. Of stuff. So you've seen the Godfather and then the character of Al Pacino. Sure. Uh, it's sad. It's sad because he is so good in this movie and like. The the thing that strikes me about Al Pacino is how dedicated he is to the role. Um, like when McCluskey breaks his jaw, uh-huh. the the transformation of that character is really stark. Um, he talks different, yes, he, all, all the way up through, even after he's been fixed. Sure, he's talking a little different. Um, his demeanor completely changes at that point. Uh, I I feel like Al Pacino played two characters in this movie really well, and it to make this performance work. He mm-hmm. was so fucking reserved and pulled back, and he gave such yes. a small performance yep. to make things like when he's sitting there squaring off against Salazzo, and we're just zoomed in on his giant, you know, blackened Pacino face, uh-huh. and just watching his like jowls quiver, and and then when he explodes at Kate at the end, it's like yeah, the rest of the movie where he's so quiet and restrained make those moments work. You're right. You're absolutely right, and. And for Pacino to do what Pacino has done in recent years and just be this screaming head of Al Pacino right. is uninteresting to watch. And it's because he's lazy at this point. He's like... Things have that, De Niro, that's right? That's where I feel... Yes, that's where I feel like comfortable saying these guys are just not trying anymore. De Niro got into Goodfellas and Casino, and he's played that character ever ever since. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he has some fan-fucking-tastic work, too. Sure. I mean, Godfather 2. Uh, Raging Bull, that shit, when he was first making a name for himself, I mean, that's how he made his name. Uh, but then he just became Robert De Niro. Al Pacino just became Al Pacino. It's like, they're no longer the characters they're playing, they're themselves playing characters. Right. Uh, talk about James Caan as Sonny. In the book, he's described as like this six foot four, thickly built huh. Italian bull. Really? And he still plays that character looking nothing like it. Yeah, I James Conn really... looks like he's got like a Jufro, just wiry build, body hair going everywhere. Oh my god, the body hair on that man is insane! But you still buy him as the maniac son he is in the book, even though you he do, doesn't yeah. have that physicality. Why? He's got that hot-headed Italian blood to him, you know. Like 
when he goes and one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he goes into the street and beats up his sister's husband. Sure. Uh, Carlo. Carlo. Yeah. Great scene. And you can terrible see, fight choreo- choreography, but it's a great uh, scene. Like, yes. Yeah. His, he, <laughs> his punches and kicks are like WWE. Uh-huh. Like like a, a a jobber wrestler would be embarrassed at some of those punches he's trying to throw. Yeah. He's like he misses much. him by a country mile. But it doesn't matter. Like the the scene itself is awesome because yeah. it's, and it and it's kind of funny in that way. Like I laugh every time I see it because of the vicious beating. If you believe that these punches and kicks are connected. Like Carlo is like n- does not want to get pulled from that fence. If he gets drug out yes. to the street, he's going to be <laughs> murdered. Uh-huh. And, and, and there's Sonny's, just like a crowd coming around watching. Like Sonny tries biting him. He tries uh-huh. kicking him. He throws a garbage can on him. He's just yeah. doing whatever he can. From everything I've heard from my dad's story of growing up in New York in the 40s and 50s. Uh this is a lot what it would be like um, in that area. Like you would have a lot of people out on the streets and there's like a community here and they know everybody. And then when somebody gets beat in the streets, they know to keep their nose out of it. They keep their nose out of it, but they're watching like everybody gathers around. Yeah. Why would watches the thing happen, but they're not going to step in. And I feel like that's a, a big portion of Sonny's credibility as the tough guy is his hothead in this one, but also the weight that his family has, you know? I mean, without the weight of the Godfather behind him... Yeah. You're right. I don't think Sonny as a character works. How much of your love for this movie stems from the fact that you are an Italian-American and your father basically is a low-level cast member of the Godfather? (laughs) Uh, A a not insignificant portion. Like, we've joked about this, but your dad, Uh he talks and looks Mm -hmm. exactly like you would think... Uh, a button man would. Yeah, yeah. If you're thinking like, uh, fuck, what's his name? The hitman, uh, Clemenza. Yeah, he is, he's, he's, he's a, roughly he's a, Clemenza. He's a slightly thinner Clemenza and older. Clemenza, and older. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's part of it. You know, my dad has told me stories about told me stories his, too. his days, uh, growing up in New York, and you know the the forties. How much of that? 50s. How much of that is true? Of his of his minor mob involvement is true, and how much of that is is a uh, old man bullshitting teenagers? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I actually think the the stuff that he's told me is nothing major. It's not like oh yeah I'm the I'm the hitman for a mob. Right. No, that right, that right. shit is nothing he said. Um, the kind of stories he tells is like a guy paid me a, you know a grand to run a package across town, and I bought some shoes with it. Yeah, uh, and a suit. I buy that stuff. You know, I mean that's nothing extraordinary. Sure. And and growing up in the time period when we know it was so prevalent, it's like, yeah, you're a young kid, you're hanging out with the the rowdy crowd, and that's probably what you're going to get into. Right, right. Um, should I tell you a story about uh, James Caan and his uh, getting into the role of Sonny? Sure. He said that he had this problem with trying to communicate the physical physicality of his character, you know, being James Caan. And he, I guess he's from that area, and he's like, you know, he didn't have yeah, trouble yeah, with yeah. the accent, but there's <laughs> something about the intensity. And uh, he yeah. was shaving one evening before he had to film the scene where Salazzo approaches the Don about the, 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 the drug deal. Okay. And he, I guess, was friends with Don Rickles, you know, the potato head from Toy Story. I, I do know Don Rickles. And yeah. he goes, I was shaving, and I thought of Don, and... uh I got this like 
playing Sonny as Don Rickles, this kind of say anything, do anything, match his verbal cadence. And he goes, the next morning I had uh, Sonny's person down cold. Oh, are you telling me that the tallies guarantee our investment? He cracked. Um, with this rapid fire, Don Rickles meets the mob bravado that elevated his character to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Then a phrase was delivered to him straight from improv- improvisational heaven. It popped in his mouth as he mocked Michael after hearing his kid brother say he t- intended to kill Salazzo and McCluskey. Uh, what do you think this is? The army where you shoot him a mile away? You got to get up close like this and bada bing, you blow their brains out all over your nice Ivy League suit. Uh-huh. Bada Bing became a mantra for mobsters and aspiring mobsters. More recently, yep. it served as the name of Tony Soprano's strip club. Sure. And he says, I, it just came out of my mouth. That was complete. There's not in the script. It just it just flowed. Cool. I thought that was a pretty awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, a lot of other stuff where I was surprised at how much stuff was improvised. Yeah. That would have surprised me, too. Clemenza saying, take the gun, leave the cannoli. <laughs> improvised? Improvised on the set. Wow. That's one of the best lines. In well, the movie. it wasn't a set, but improvise on the scene, the yeah, location. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to say, Polly really got the short end of the the deal there. Well, that's the. I mean, a guy calls in sick to work one day. You assume he's working with the enemy, and you blow his head out off. It's like I've gone back and forth oh, of whether I think Polly was connected. I kind of believe he was now. Okay, I have a couple questions like that. Okay. Um, what? Why do you think Polly was connected? It. So some of the dialogue he has where he's looking at Connie's purse and he's like, oh, man, if this wasn't, if this is anybody else's wedding, you know, what I could do with that money. Like, he he is an ambitious guy, mm-hmm. probably wasn't happy being, like, the errand boy for the mob, uh, was was ambitious, mm-hmm. wanted to move up. The fact that it was suspicious that he called in sick the day of the hit. The fact that he it acted was. openly suspicious of, like, when the guy got in the back seat and he's like, uh, move on, you know. Uh, move move over to the sides. You're blocking the rear view. The mm. fact he acted really suspicious when he got called in and was conspicuously acting like he was sick in front of Sonny. Uh, I mean, I got no evidence, <laughs> but my headcanon says but, that Polly that 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 Sonny was right. His instincts was right, and that's all you need if you're a mobster, right? I mean, look at the your wire, instincts. man. All you so your many fucking innocent people get killed in the wire over nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I feel like there was that's something for him. Th- like that's why I feel like Polly got the short of the stick because. And no due there process. Was, there was no evidence. There's, there's no, no due process. There's it's no like, serial podcast for Polly. Yeah, where... <laughs> I think this guy's. I think this guy is working with him. So take him out. It's like, yeah. damn man. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is Sonny's death. Okay. Uh, so Michael's sister, played by Tally Shire, which you know, another great actress who we've not talked about yet. I mean, this is a murderer's row as far as actors. Like, yeah. we're not going to talk a lot about Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, even though he's sure. Robert fucking Duvall. <laughs> And he's fantastic in the role. Uh, yeah, so uh, Tally Shire gets beat up by her husband, who is named Carlo. Is that right? Yeah. I, he's like one of the few guys I just Supposedly don't that have. guy was actually a mobster, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, he's one of the real yeah. mobsters who yeah. said, hey, let me be M- in on might, this. Might not be a made man, but he was actually... Huh. Connected. Because uh, the mob got... like I'll, We'll be talking about this here in a little bit, but the mob got all up in this production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you told me one story that was just phenomenal. Uh, anyway, so he get, he gets beat up by uh, Sonny in the street. So what happens after that? Word gets out to the Tatalias that Sonny is hot headed about this particular issue. Sure, and they use that 
Carlos to Fresno. draw Sonny out and shoot him. Carlo down. is got a big mouth. You kind of got the in, 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 in the book they make Carlo's this explicit that he's kind of running his mouth about how he could be more better used by the Don and Sonny's keeping him, you know, holding him back and okay and you know because even the guy. So, so do you think that he beat Talia knowing that she would run to Sonny and that? Sonny the whole situation marching. engineered the the ludicrous situation of his mistress calling when Connie's going to be there and he's she's making him a big dinner and then he's like oh yeah I'm taking it. he de- he I de- do think he picked a fight and he roughed her up huh. knowing that okay. Sonny would find out and mm-hmm. take the route that he did and I mean it works either way right like if the Talia's just know uh, this guy has this odd button issue for him so. Next time that comes up, let's like you know tap his phone or whatever, and let's figure this all out. Plus, Carlo cops to it at the end. That's the that's the only evidence you need. Oh, you're right. He confesses he does. He and totally says it was does. Barzini that put him up to it. Yeah, yeah. Or was it Tagli? I can't. It doesn't matter because Tagli it, it was, was just... Barzini. It was okay. Barzini. Yeah, but he might have said right. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, no, that perfect. All right, that all answers right. my question. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I even yeah, that, I I definitely think he was he was in on it. So many bullets. In that oh, scene, man. Jesus. I, I mean, do you want to talk about some of our favorite scenes? Uh, sure, we can do that. Um, I mean, Sonny beating uh, Carlo up in the streets is good. The phone booth, or not the phone, but the toll booth. The toll booth shooting. I mean, it's just God, they riddle him with bullets, and then, you know, he's got 50 bullets in him, and that's not enough, so they walk up and just blow him away. The guy in the toll booth has to be dead, right? He never he never steps out of it. We never see him again. He just gets on the ground. There's bullet holes all through that toll booth. <laughs> like, there's no way that guy survives. Could be. Maybe. Maybe he's got, like, an, a lead tub down there. I don't know if he got in. Maybe. Maybe he's got a lead-lined phone booth or yeah. toll booth there. Yeah. Um, Another I, favorite is the horse head. I mean, that... Sure. That scene's Real horse head. Real like, horse head in the bed. Put yourself in that situation. So, you wake up. Yeah, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. You start rolling down the covers, suddenly you see blood all over yourself, you're like, God, I'm bleeding. Yeah. How, what did they do to me? What did they do to me? Yeah. You keep rolling the thing down, now you're relieved because this horse head is in the bed, but it's also fucking terrifying. That someone <laughs> killed your horse uh-huh. that had police guards. You know, if you actually look at the scene, there's like, police, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a cop in there. There's armed mm-hmm. policemen patrolling his, his grounds. Uh-huh. They defeated that. They cut your horse's head off. They snuck into your bedroom and they threw it in your bed without you even being aware of it. Uh huh. It's yeah. terrifying. You you you're not no band leader, but you're still also no uh, Corleone. Did you know? Yeah. One thing I always think is interesting is how Waltz like <laughs> he's so mercurial because like Tom Hagen comes up and's like I you know I want to relay a message. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, okay, yeah. I'm listening, and he's like I need to put Johnny on that, and he's like listen you. Dago Wop Greaseball. He's like, I'm actually German, German uh, Irish. All right, my Mick Wop or my, my what's a Mick Kraut friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he like threatens him, and then later he's like, Oh, you should have told me you worked for the Corleone family. I, you know, it's like sure. I, I would do anything for that guy. And then he knows what he's going to be asked, yeah. and he goes and goes into the threatening mode, and he's like, he's curiously aware of how powerful the Godfather is, but also so prideful he just doesn't care yeah uh he's lucky to just get away with the horse head honestly yeah yeah no kidding um although they needed waltz right if they killed waltz it would have probably screwed up the picture and uh screwed up johnny's deal yeah i mean johnny's got a you know johnny's a a big part of that family for one reason or another 
That's why I said this. The movie feels so old fashioned because, like, I counted and there's like sixty seconds it takes to transition from the <laughs> wedding to Waltz. Uh-huh. And of, they just, just Duval getting and to they got this the slow jet, this like you know big band jazz, and the plane uh-huh. lands, and then a car comes and picks him up, and they drive him through the studio, and he walks through the studio, and he gets to the back lot. Yep, no movie would do that nowadays. No, they would smash cut from wedding to maybe you get an establishing shot of, of the, the studio aer- or the airport or the airport if you're lucky, and then he pulls up to the studio, and then he just meets with the guy. Yeah. Is it better and or worse? The, it's way better. It's way better. The, this, Not every movie can get away with that because no, I've seen uh-uh. old movies that are awesome. But like, if you watch, like, the one that always pops in mind is like the Maltese Falcon, which is an awesome Humphrey Bogart, you know, film noir. Uh, but the editing drives you crazy. Like, huh. they'll it's a, to the extreme. Like a guy will enter a hotel lobby, walk over to the elevator, go in the elevator. Come out the elevator, walk down a long hallway, and knock on a door. Stop the guy opens newspaper. the door, and now they have the conversation. Which is the point of the fucking scene? Yeah, yeah. I that's that's what really feels like it dates a film. But for some reason, The Godfather yeah. just puts me in this trance. You're right, and I don't know if it's that I'm mentally prepared for a three hour movie when I go into The Godfather, and I say and I excuse things like that because overall they're a very small portion of the movie. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of it. But I can't remember back to the first time I saw this and say, like, even the first time I saw it, it was, I I was impressed by the pacing of this film because it was so bold. Yeah. It, it, it took time to tell its story and it was fearless in that. Mm. Uh, Like, like look at the hospital scene, which I think is probably my absolute favorite scene in this entire movie. Yeah. Um, the, the scene where Michael goes to the hospital after Vito's been shot and he's trying to protect him. Uh, the hospital is completely empty. You hear, you see Michael walking through the halls. You hear footsteps in the halls. All of these shots of empty hallways and the echoes and the disorienting nature of that. It all, it takes so much time to convey that information, but it's such important information in that scene. Do you know who Coppola credits for saving that scene? Yeah, George Lucas. George Lucas. I know. I guess that, like, the pacing was off, and there was no tension, and everything kind of bang, bang, bang. And like, oh, my God, how are we going to save it? George Lucas took, like, a second of film where a guy walked off, and he saw the empty corridor, and he looped it. Yeah. And he did (laughs) several of those where you saw empty corridors and then played the the walking sound, and that built the tension. and. It and works. Coppola was like, "God damn, George, you're a genius. You saved the scene." Yeah, and it's and it's. I'm almost ashamed to admit it, given what he has done to Star Wars in the past I, few years. But that man has a gift with visual storytelling. Yeah, I was gonna say, I will never take away his genius for visual storytelling, and you can even see yeah. it in the prequels. Yeah, it's just he yeah. doesn't give a shit about characterization, <laughs> which you can also see in the prequels. Yeah, so maybe uh, he needs to get back into editing instead of filmmaking. Well, let me ask you: How many times is the word mafia used in this movie? If you were to guess, zero. Zero. Like I yeah, I can't think of a single. Huh. Um, Why? Okay. What point are you making? So just the the there. At the time, there the 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 forming of the uh, Italian American Civil Rights League formed, and it was actually formed by one of the leaders of the uh, five New York's five families, Joseph Colombo. <laughs> oh my God! Um, 
He said after the FBI took a oh, – this is from the Vanity Fair article. After the FBI took what he's considered to be an excessive interest in his activities, which included loan sharking, jewel heist, income tax <laughs> hey, evasion. this isn't fair. I'm Italian-American. What do you want? Huh? Income tax evasion and control of a $10 million a year interstate gambling operation. He turned the tables on the Bureau, charging with harassment not only of him and his family, but also of all Italian-Americans. <laughs> I love it. In an outrageously bold move, he helped create the Italian-American Civil Rights League, claiming the FBI's pursuit of the mob was, in fact, persecution and a violation of civil rights. A top priority of the League's um, uh, goals was to eradicate mafia from the English language, since Colombo contended that it had all been turned into a one-word smear campaign. Mafia? What's mafia? He asked a reporter in the 1970s. There's not a mafia. Am I the head of a family? Yes. My wife, my four sons, and a daughter. That's my family. Um... (laughs) So they got they got wind of the Godfather being made, and yeah. they like put lots of pressure, like official, and then there's also like pressure, like getting death threats huh. and broken windows in the middle of the night. So Coppola, Coppola and his producer met with the uh, league, and one of the demands is you can't use the word mafioso, mafia, mafioso, cosa nostra. Well, it turns out that there huh. was only one instance of mafia in the whole script, and that was it was one of the many slurs that Waltz oh. was saying. He's like, "You tell your greasy uh. goomba mafia." So uh. they took that out and they made it like, "Oh, it's a huge concession." Hmm. And but but yeah, we're, we're happy to do it if it means. And so that like thrilled this Colombo guy, and from that point forward, the mob was like in nice. And they, you know, one of the points this article brings out is how much. The Godfather influenced mafia culture. Yeah, that's super weird, right? Like, like they would play Godfather music at their weddings, and uh-huh. they would start to say phrases that the Godfather and like. So, um, I, I was watching uh, a, a one of Anthony Bourdain's shows where he goes to Sicily, and they basically said, "Yeah, everybody who comes here goes to the fucking castle where sure. they were filming this shit." And like, it's Godfather this, it's Godfather that. It's like it's like gangster rappers with with Scarface, right? Exactly. Yep. They and and it's uh, was is is, is the name is Sammy the Bull, the guy that turned state's evidence against oh, the Gotti family. He sure. he claims that he had only killed one person, and then he saw the Godfather, and he's like, "Oh shit, I'm like slacking," and he ended up killing nineteen. Wow. But he goes mostly. It's like you know the mafia became kind of more violent and back to its its uh, its ways. Hmm. Interestingly enough, because I guess the mob was saying, "Hey, we don't kill people anymore, man. We run our rackets and we make money." Mm-hmm. Uh, Why they were shooting Godfather? Actually, the day the day before they shot the scene where Clemenza kicks in the elevator and 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 uh, kills those dudes in the settle all the family business yeah. hit with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, Columbo. One of the other five family heads got out of prison that week and decided that he was a little too public, and he ordered a hit on him. He got shot three times in the face. They took him to the hospital. All these Goomba guys are surrounded, providing security, and Coppola's like, shit, this is like right out of our script, man. For the actor? No, the 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 Columbo's the head of the Joe yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Columbo's. He's the, guy the one that, who got shot. Yeah, he's the one who oh, got okay. shot because the other gotcha. gangsters thought he was being too loudmouth about this Italian American defamation league. Wow. Hmm. So it's interesting how like, art inspires life, vice versa. Yeah, for sure. So the Godfather mm-hmm. should he got involved? Should he got involved in the white powder? Which Godfather? Uh, Vito. <laughs> okay. Should should he she just gone along with Salazzo? Man, so th- so they make a pretty solid argument, and eventually he kind of does. Like, he's forced to. He has to. 
yeah, but the entire time he's planning his revenge, you know, it's like, so yeah, he, he gives in, but, it, but at the same time he doesn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, the argument is pretty convincing. If we don't do this, someone else will, we, it's better to control it than for it to be just let loose. Um, that's a fairly compelling argument. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like morally he's right, but logistically he might be wrong. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly, morally, ethically, he's right. And yeah. his point about, you know, like gambling and prostitutes, that's like, I like I think gambling should be legal. I think prostitution should be legal. I, I think, dr- drugs, I think should drugs should be legal. Should be legal yeah. But I, I think he was astute in saying that, like, there's a difference between mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting that the drug war is one of the most, um, you know, sustained bad ideas that we've had as a culture. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of... Some social commentary, too, because even the gangsters had this, like, really racist reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's one of the reasons the drug war has been so sustainable, because it's always been about kind of, like, something we can crack down these dirty minorities are doing. They're running around, you know, acting crazy and stealing and robbing from us and raping our women. Sure. Um, I thought it was interesting how they touched on that. But I kind of debate that. Like, if he'd have just done, given the deal the Slotso wanted. Now. Yeah. Right off the bat. You also got to think that Barzini was probably manipulating this behind the scenes, that that was a trap, that once he got what he needed from the Don, that he was going to be more powerful and he was going to move yeah. on them anyway. Yeah, I mean, the the money was clearly, there's more money in the drugs at that point, and they, they make that point as well. Let's talk about the Sicilian scenes. They go to Sicily. Okay. <laughs> uh for the longest time, I I liked it, but I didn't understand why the hell we took this forty five minute digression into yeah, yeah. and Michael got married and he uh, fell in love with this Apollonia character and she got blown up and yeah and then he comes back and marries Kay and like why why <laughs> why Jim I feel like that's a big turning point for Michael as a character you know I mean he ha- he has this moment where his family's been lashed out at and so he's gonna lash back. Um, with McCluskey and stuff, but he's not really a part of the family at that point, right? Like even Sonny and uh, fuck, what is Robert Duvall's name? Uh, Tom Hagen. Tom, yeah. Um, even those guys kind of don't take him seriously as as a member of this crime family. But when he goes off to Sicily and he sees the old world, he sees where his his family's roots come from. Uh. I feel like that fundamentally changes Michael as a character. Yeah. Uh, to to where he understands the importance of his family. Um he understands the game a little bit more, the crime game uh when his wife gets blown up. I feel like that's a big turning point for that character and it needed to be in there otherwise the transformation from Michael at the beginning of this movie to Michael at the end of this movie doesn't make nearly as much sense. Like Sicily is like the chrysalis. He enters yeah. that as Michael, the college boy, war hero, he emerges Who's from Who's done, it. like, one thing as an act of revenge, yeah. Yeah, and to protect his father, arguably. Sure. And he sacrificed a lot to do that, and he emerges as the Mafia Don. Yeah. I think you're right, because he goes back and sees how far back this culture goes Yeah, that he's from. He sees this sense of family and history, and... He also sees that he's not going to be able to avoid this. I mean, he runs to fucking Sicily, can't get out of the way sure. of this crime family mentality. He can't dodge it. 
Apollonia doesn't die, comes back to the new world with, with him. <laughs> uh-huh. Does I feel like Michael just wins. Like yeah. so much of his problems yeah, yeah. with the Godfather 2 stem from the fact that he has no family base to state to stabilize him. He's mm. got no one to love him unconditionally. The abortion thing throws him for a fucking loop. He just doesn't know oh, what to yeah. do with it. Good God. It distracts him and in, in, in the moments where he needed to like, you know, like like Vito says when he's talking to Michael later on, he's like, All my life I've just tried not to be careless. He makes careless yeah. mistakes. And trust the wrong people. And I don't know that that happens if he has Apollonia. You might be right. You might be right. Um, it definitely crystallizes his character. Sure. Did you know Apollonia was maybe 17, probably 16 when she's filming her topless scenes? That's crazy. I'm surprised they can even show that movie here. I it's It is weird, right? Yeah. Totally weird. Um, with, with as up in arms as this country gets about boobs... Period. But you also had the Brooke Shields on... Blue Lagoon thing. Wasn't sure. Thora Birch in American Beauty? Wasn't she like not quite eighteen when she's got her boobs out in that? Yeah, yeah. Certainly. It's like I feel like uh, there's a I, there's Hollywood a line art, art, yeah, loophole that you can there is you you can you can get away with that stuff. Sure. Um, let's see what else I want to say. Um, I my favorite scene I think in all the movies is. Uh, Vito going to the meeting of the five families and his I'm a superstitious yeah. man speech. Uh-huh. Because he's been like conciliatory and like reasonable, but when he starts that up about if an unlucky accident should fall befall my son, <laughs> uh-huh. and he names like... And then he gets trivial with it. <laughs> he's like, you know, like if uh, something would happen to the ship, or if a police officer were to shoot him, or if a bolt of lightning would come uh-huh. out of the sky, <laughs> I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It really is, yeah. And Brando just nails it. He does. Uh, everyone in this film nails it. I what? Some of the other funny... Slash awesome things that I like is when he kill when Michael kills McCluskey and uh, Salazzo. The way that Sterling Sterling Hayden is that his name? Uh, Sterling something smashes his head into that table. Oh yeah, uh, he goes to the floor like a ton of bricks, like a a, a zombie extra on The Walking Dead. It no regard me for his up personal safety every single time. Yeah, uh, and he the way he like kind of Frankenstein's around sure. for a second after he's been shot and just smashes his head. I love it. So like, the, it's like, awesome. Or like the death of Luca Brasi. This mo- Oh, yeah. What's funny is this movie's so fucking violent, and so is the book. Uh-huh. But I guess the studios were on his ass to make it even more violent. Like, he added wow. the okay. scene of Connie getting beat the shit out of by Carlo uh-huh. as a way to, like, look, I'm making it violent. And what is super uncomfortable because, did you know Talia Shire was is uh, Coppola's sister? I didn't know that. He said it was really uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> I bet. Because uh, it's brutal. Yeah. To this day, it's still like hard to watch when he gets after that belt and that bathroom door and she's just screaming yeah, she's in there. pregnant and that's just like, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I forget where I was going with this. Oh. Um, More violence. With uh, 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 Bratzi, when he gets yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, strangled, I guess that they had the special makeup. That was like flesh tone, but if it got wet, it would turn like a mottled green. And okay. what they did is they they made him up like that. And then as the cameras watch him get stripped, that the Coppola had a water bottle, a spritzer bottle mm-hmm. that he was slowly spraying on his face, so you could see 
And it, you, you get this more in the Blu-ray. It's harder to see on the digital copy we watch. But mm-hmm. you can actually see his face start to turn a different, like a greenish-gray color. Nice. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's that's impressive. I mean, even the man's eyes. Like, just the way they get more and more bloodshot. Uh, just, ugh. Ugh. That's a fucking terrifying-looking death. There's a couple other things that, I guess, when they're shooting the car scenes where Michael's being transported to the the diner mm-hmm. by Slotso and McCluskey. Uh, there's headlights in the background. Those were just studio assistants holding two flashlights and they're swaying back and forth. And there's another assistant that was, his job was to like move the bumper to give it kind of All like right. going over stuff. Like really nice. interesting, yeah. you know, not even green screen. It's just like two guys in a flat with holding flashlights back there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of deaths that we like, I really like when they kill, uh, <laughs> What is his name? Something C. Something starts with a C. Talia Shire's husband. Oh, yeah, Carlo. Carlo. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he goes for it. Yeah, yeah, the way he kicks out that front window. And it's it's not a good shot. Like, that's the thing. that You don't see anything that's happening. He immediately kicks out that front window. And then you can't see It nothing. shatters. You can't see anything except his feet. But it's so awesome. What I think is funny is that that, that car is driving somewhere. Uh-huh. And they keep driving. Like, I just got this, like, they're pulling out into the main road with Carlo's legs sticking out the front window. Uh-huh. There's, like, spider yeah. web, glass shattered everywhere. And they're just I, driving I love down the how road. messy it is. It's yeah. like, th- these killings don't go off like they plan every single time. Yeah. I'll kick out the front window, you know? It must have been nice to be a gangster in a time before there was... Uh, computerized matching of fingerprints and DNA yeah, evidence. Super easy to get away with. You just that put shit. duct tape on the trigger and on the handle. <laughs> it's, and it's a special tape. It's it's good, good to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, you want to drop the gun, but you won't be able to because it's sticky. Yep. Um, good stuff. The other scene I really like, just because as I you know as a father, mm-hmm. is the death of Vito when he dies in oh, playing with yeah. his grandson, and then you've got this poor three year old kid that's like coming to grips with his father when he scampers off at the end of the scene. I'm like, man, that's a mind fuck. Oh, yeah. And that's... It's like Michael couldn't protect his son from seeing death at all. And then in the second movie, he gets a hit on his bedroom. And like you just see how this violence spirals into his life. But Mm -hmm. I really like that that scene as well. Yeah. No, there's so much at the end of this, which is just... Like the concerns that Vito has about his family... Um, and the love that he has for all of his family is obvious in everything he does, even though these horrible things are going on around him. And he's even perpetrating some of these horrible things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just see it and you can see how much it breaks his heart that Michael is following in his footsteps all throughout this movie. I mean, another amazing scene is when they come in and they say, uh, here, here's a status update. Here's all the stuff that happened after you got shot um, between the time you got shot and now. Yeah. Uh and they they say, "Oh, we sent Fredo out to Vegas and and I'm on a, Michael I'm, was I'm going I'm going to learn the casino business, pop. <laughs> Fredo's the worst, man. He is the worst. Such such uh, oh, Jesus. But but when they tell him that it was Michael who shot yes. McCluskey and now he's in hiding. Like this is the last fucking thing he wanted for that kid. Yeah. But he can't stop it happening. It's it's yeah. inevitable it seems. So that scene is heartbreaking, and then at the end, when you finally see the outcome of it, and Michael is the godfather, literally yeah. the godfather, that's rough. That's fucking rough for Vito. Uh, one more one more story, and then I'm pretty much tapped out. Uh, 
I during the scene where uh, Johnny Fontaine is talking to the Godfather about, you know, what am I going to do? This guy won't give me his part. And the Godfather uh, slaps him and says, you can act like a man. Yeah. Brando, that take that's in the movie is the first take. And Brando, that was not scripted. The slap <laughs> and the, awesome. you act like a man. Because I guess Brando's increasingly getting, in the previous takes, this guy is just very flat effect. This Johnny Martino to play uh, Fontaine. Uh, mm. Uh, Johnny Fontaine just Brando wasn't satisfied with his performance. Yeah, so he's like, I gotta get some emotion out of this kid. So he screams at him and slaps him in the face. <laughs> and James Conner told the story. He's like, the guy didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. He just got slapped by Marlon Brando with the yeah, cameras yeah. rolling. Perfect. And that's the scene that made into movie. Yeah, that's the reaction he probably wanted. Pretty cool. What else do we need to talk about? I don't know. Um, I feel like you either get this movie or you don't. Uh, and everyone gets this movie. I've never heard anyone say that's actually seen it that I've respected. I've heard some idiots say, I don't get the cop. But, like, no well, one watches the Godfather. You're labeling idiots. I don't, I don't know that that's just. No, I'm but... saying, like, a person that I've known oh, that I considered an idiot. an idiot, I've heard them say, but I've never heard gotcha. a person that I respect. And that, like, I'm I... probably offending people here because I'm not sure. saying that you have to love the Godfather. But it's damn near universally praised. I think there are reasons why that, that I would buy for people not liking this. It is a very long movie. It is very slowly paced. If you're not into those kind of movies, you won't like this one. Take a break. Apollonia gets bombed. Uh, an intermission. Give yourself an intermission. Go yeah. get the bathroom. Get another. Pour yourself another glass of whiskey. Uh-huh. Pack another bowl. Whatever you got to do. But like, <laughs> there's that's no excuse for not enjoying this movie. Yeah. No, this is one of the best movies ever made. Uh unequivocally i think so i i don't know uh, it's great it's great all around i'm gonna be super interested because here's the thing the godfather 2 is compared to the empire strikes back like like mm. the godfather 2 is the godfather the way empire strikes back is the star wars yeah, yeah a great movie that's that's surpassed by its sequel I never, ever, ever agreed with that assessment. In fact, I got into angry arguments with people about that assessment mm-hmm. until this year, when I happened to see The Godfather several more, t- The Godfather Two several more times. I, I don't, I don't think I can ever say that it's better than the first one, but it's certainly at least as good. Okay, and it is a lot. It took me. I don't know why it took me this long to come to that appreciation and i'm probably one of the aforementioned idiots because this is again almost a universal opinion <laughs> godfather 2 is yeah. better than godfather i know it's definitely my brother's opinion he's uh he's a pretty big godfather fan uh all around just the entire series except for he acknowledges three is nowhere near as good as the other two um what i've never i've never one? seen three what does he think of the third one he thinks it's it's just Trash. Not even in the same. Is league. it like Return of the Jedi, or is it like yeah. Phantom Menace? No, it's like Return of the Jedi. Okay, like, okay. Not not in the same league, really. Because I've heard people say that it's like Phantom Menace bad. Mm, I don't know. I've never seen The Godfather three all the way through. Uh, I've only seen Godfather two once or twice. The Godfather is the original is the one I've seen sure. many times. I've seen The Godfather two a third as much. Okay, and 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 probably half of those viewings came this year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting when we go back and watch Godfather 2 because that has, as I remember it, a lot more wheels turning Yeah, in oh Godfather yeah. 2. It's a, lot, so, it's a lot harder to follow, and plus it's yeah. a lot harder. I think the reason I didn't like it as much is because, and we need to save this for the next cast, we're robbing Peter to pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're robbing Michael to pay Vito here. <laughs> but um, never a good idea, by the way. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the stuff with Vito was so compelling and so interesting, and the stuff that was going on with Michael. Are you talking about in two or yeah, one? in two? Okay, his rise with the Nero, and he was so compelling versus yeah. Michael's more kind of understated hmm. business going on, and the plot with Cuba, and the casino buyout, and uh, who was the um, who was who's the guy in Florida? Uh, he was actually in the Boardwalk Empire. Son of a bitch. Oh, I, don't uh, I don't know. Jesus Christ. Dabney Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Dabney Coleman. No, I, I don't know. Lansky. Myers Lansky. That, that's a, who he's supposed to be? I don't know if he, that, is that that's who he his is? name. That's who okay. he's supposed to be. Huh. I don't know if that's actually his name. All right. Um, that stuff is just a lot less accessible than the... And every time we'd flash back or flash forward to Michael away from Vito, mm-hmm. I'd be like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> and my first few viewings were entirely that reaction. Like, ah, oh, god damn it, we got this Michael shit again. Yeah. Where once you get over that bias and prejudice for De Niro and the old stuff, it's really... And you start understanding what's going on. And Yeah, I want to see how those two worlds mesh together. Yeah, and how deliberately that is constructed. It's yeah. a lot more interesting. Sure, I'm really gonna be paying attention on this viewing because, like, I've watched Godfather two, but I don't. I wouldn't say I ever sat down and like tried to say, okay, what is the real plot here? How do all these things connect? Like I did with the Godfather this time. Sure, uh, I feel like I finally understand fully the Godfather's plot. Well, congratulations, and everything about it. Now you need to watch it about ten or. 20 it was more mostly times. about getting the names of everybody down, so that yeah. when they say somebody's name, I understand who they're talking. Like, about. like it's like. Barzini, it takes a while to Salazzo, understand. That, like if you Tattaglia. got, if, if you get the Barzini, Tatalia, Tatalia is a tough one, yeah, because you don't see actually Tatalia much. And why is that significant? And how yeah. did the Godfather know? And what, like, some of that stuff? If you can pick that up on the first time, well, you're a much smarter person than 25 year old Aaron. <laughs> yeah, or 32 year old Jim. <laughs> so, but uh, no, this has been fun. I can't wait for yeah. next week when we get into the Godfather too. For sure. Thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, we'll see, see you next uh, time. Next week.